Jesus was given to all of us. And just as we have a burden for Camus Washington, I know this church has a burden for Clarksville, Tennessee. And just as I could have a video showing the needs of the souls and the individuals that are there in Camus, Washington, there are just as many souls and individuals with a spiritual need walking these streets. Sometimes the difference in, the, in our area here, and we're in southern Indiana, so we're, I would say we're kind of in the general same vicinity, is we're considered the Bible Belt. You know, you have a church on every corner. You know, you can walk, walk across, is it this road right out here? You can walk, and there's another church just a stone's throw away. And, and because of that, sometimes we think we're okay, or our area is, well, we're immersed with the Bible. And, and the truth is that the gospel uh, is not just for the sinner. It's also for the Pharisee, for the individual that thinks he's uh, okay, that thinks he's just fine. But what I, what I want to share here tonight uh, is kind of an illustration that I believe the Old Testament gives to us of what, man, this, this opportunity that we have, this uh, truth that we uh, hold uh, and, and possess, and how we get to uh, partake of it, and the riches, I've been studying the book of Ephesians the riches that we have access to because of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and we are seated in heavenly places, and, and we, have, uh, we have access to everything that pertains to, to life and godliness, and, and that's the opportunity that we have as individuals who know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so my, my title of my message this evening is The Next Generation, The Next Generation. I mentioned earlier, I've got a specific burden. I've been a youth pastor for about nine years. And so I've, had, I've watched and observed as young people would come through my youth group. And you, just, you would pour into them the word of God. And you'd have games and you'd have activities. And they would, they would go to, uh, to a teen retreat. They would go to teen camp. They would go to all these activities. And they'd just be immersed in the word of God and... Uh, and I'd watch them graduate high school, or they, maybe they get their license, and all of a sudden they disappear. And, and it just hurt my heart to watch young people as, as they're in the church, and, and they have parents who have a desire, a sincere desire, I believe, to, to serve God with their life and to impact their family. Uh, and, and yet these, these children would grow up in church and and they walk away from church, and more than that, they walk away from God himself. And there's a whole group of, of people out there, young people out there, that have religious backgrounds, have church upbringings. It's crazy the amount of people that you will, you'll say, hey, have you ever been to church? And they're like, yeah, I grew up in church. So how in the world... Can we impact the next generation when we seem to have this epidemic of young people growing up and just walking away? I'm going to ask the Lord for his help this evening, and I just want to share some truths just from the illustration that's going to be given here in the scriptures that can maybe help us 
maybe give us some insight. I don't have all the answers or the solution to anything, but I'm going to go to the Word of God and try to give us some insight and some answers to what I believe is an issue in our generation. Let's go to the Word of Prayer. Lord, I thank you for your love to us. I thank you for your kindness towards us. Lord, I thank you for Gateway Baptist Church being here. And Lord, I, I truly believe that they have a sincere desire. It's evident in the leadership that they have a desire to impact and influence people for the cause of Christ. Uh, they have programs that are set up to help people in their walks with God and to, to, to uh, free them from maybe addiction or, uh, or, or lifestyles that are, that are uh, hurting them. And Lord, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And so, Lord, help us to be encouraged along in this process as we come to your word and look at this illustration that's been given in, in your word. Help us as, we, as I attempt to communicate the truth of your word to your people here tonight. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. In Exodus chapter 3, the context is the children of Israel, the Hebrew people, are in slavery to the nation of Egypt. Pharaoh uh, is the ruler of the empire of Egypt. Not just that, he was viewed as the god of the world at that time. And so Egypt, you've probably heard this before, and I'll use the same illustration. Egypt can be a representation of sin, the world, and in fact, our life before Christ. Uh, the New Testament will illustrate some of this when it, when it pictures the Red Sea, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea, and that's pictured in the New Testament as baptism uh, of water, and that's a picture of the, the, the freedom from bondage. The freedom from bondage in Egypt is a picture of salvation, and aren't you thankful that you were freed from the bondage and slavery of sin when Jesus Christ entered your life? And you're freed from that, and, and you get baptized, and it's a public showing to other people of what God has done in your own life. And so Egypt can be a representation of the world. It's our life before Christ. And then they're headed to this land of Canaan. Canaan would be a representation of the abundant life in Christ. It's not a representation, unfortunately, some have done this, and I believe it's a wrong illustration, of heaven. Because in heaven, there is no more wars, there's no more pain, there's no more battles to be fought in heaven, but for the children of Israel, when they crossed the River Jordan and entered the land of Canaan, they had many battles to be fought. And that's a picture of the abundant life in Christ that we get to experience this land of milk and honey, and yet there's still wars to be fought. We're still living in this, in this world. We're still living with our flesh, and we still have spiritual battles that we must face. Uh, the weapons of our, of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down. And then we have in between. So you have Egypt, the representation of life before Christ, you have Canaan as the representation of the abundant life in Christ. And then you have the wilderness in between. And the wilderness is a representation or a picture of living our life with a focus on the temporal rather 
than the eternal. Or a focus on the physical versus the eternal. Let's look at Exodus chapter 3 and pick up at verse number 1. And Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. If you know your Bibles, Moses was raised up in Pharaoh's household there in Egypt. And at a certain age, he goes out to see his Hebrew people and he defends a man that was being beaten and he murders him, murders an Egyptian. And as a result of that, he has to flee for his life to the backside of the desert and he's there for 40 years and this is where God meets Moses on the backside of the desert here And in verse number 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. I mean, this is all uh, just an incredible sight that that had to be seen here, but we'll keep moving on. Verse number 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And so this is God's first like interaction. God had spoken to Abraham before, but this is generations before. And now God is speaking to Moses. And, and God's been kind of silent in the heavens for a period of time. And here he is. He sees his people in need, in slavery, and he finds Moses. And verse number 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I'm thankful we have a God that sees me, that knows me, and sees my sorrows. Verse number 8, And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So God... Uh, proclaims his purpose to Moses. He says, hey, I've seen the affliction of my people and I've come to deliver them out of that and I've come to take them and to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. That's God's intention. That's God's purpose for his, in his plan for his people. Bring them out of Egypt and into the land. We'll start to build on this illustration. He's bringing them out of Egypt into Canaan land. Jump down, let's see here, verse number 17, or let's pick up verse number 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever. 
And this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And so we see that God's intention was for this children of Israel to come out of Egypt and then go into the Canaan land. And so this is what, this is what, I mean, I love this illustration because it pictures God's intention for us as well. I'm a second generation Christian. My parents are first generation. They were saved out of, out of a life, uh, out of an upbringing that was, that was lost. They were saved out, out of uh, uh, both of them, sets of parents that were alcoholics, uh, some of them even successful. We've got grandparents that were lawyers and doctors, and yet, quietly, they were, they were, they were, they were miserable inside. So success in the world doesn't mean happiness. And yet, my parents, they, they got saved. Someone shared the gospel with them. And they were delivered. They came out of Egypt. And here's what happens sometimes. Is we can look back, and I'm so thankful for the first generation that has come out of Egypt. And I'm going to kind of separate the different generations because this is indicated here in the scriptures with the children of Israel. There was a first generation that came out of Egypt. And what was God's intention for them? Was to come out of Egypt... And were to go in and possess the land that God had given them. That was God's intention for them. And so, number one, if you're taking notes, here is the command to the first generation, go and possess. They were to go and possess the land. And so this first generation came out of Egypt. And by the way, if you've uh, talked to anybody uh, out of a first generation or if you're a first generation Christian in here, there's a little bit more of a zip to them, isn't there? Like you could just tell like they, they've just got this little bit of like a fire in them. Uh, at least that's the experience I've had when I'm around them. And it's just like so encouraging. There's a group of guys that are in our, in our home church and, and, and they're first generationers. And I mean, there's just a fire to them. They know what it means to be in the, you know, in the trenches of sin and God pull them out and deliver them from that. And then now they get to live this new life. And some of them have been saved within the last few years. And it's just so exciting, so energizing to see that. And that's what that, that, that first generation, they came out of Egypt. But here's what happened. What happened? You, you kind of know the story and you see where I'm going with this. Is they got stuck in the wilderness. So, so as, I'm, as I'm proclaiming this message tonight, there's a spectrum of, of ages in here. And so I, I hope this applies to all of us tonight. That no matter what age you are, God has a purpose and a plan for you as an individual, and what he desires you to do. And if you're a first-generationer, his desire for you is to go in and possess the land, not just to come out of Egypt. Sometimes we get content with, man, I've been saved, and we look, continue to look back at our salvation experience. And by the way, it's the greatest experience you'll ever experience. But if we continue to look back at just our deliverance and experience from salvation, we can get caught like the Israelites did when they begin to look back into Egypt and they, re- they think, oh man, 
the leeks and the garlics and, and all the things that we enjoyed back in Egypt. And they begin to look at where they're at in their walk today. And they're kind of in this wilderness. And they begin to murmur and complain. Do you know individuals that have murmured and complained? How about have you murmured and complained? Let's do that. Let's self-indict. Man, God has delivered you out of Egypt. He's, he's brought you out of slavery. He's brought you out of, uh, of bondage. And he's, his desire is for you to go in and possess the land. And unfortunately, sometimes we get caught in the wilderness. And we begin to look at all the temporal things. Look, look at, uh, man, what's a God that we had some meat? And God, God gives it to them. God rains quail from heaven. God gives them manna. And they complain about the provision of God. And sometimes if we get stuck in our Christianity, I've grown up in church. I was saved at a young age. And I've seen it in my own life where I get stuck in my Christianity because I begin to look at all the temporal things instead of my eyes being set uh, to the eternal things and the spiritual things that are above. And instead, I get so focused on what can I do here? How, can I, how much money can I make? How, how can I succeed in this area? And we get so stuck there and we get caught wandering in the wilderness when God's intention for us was to be delivered and to go in and possess the land. That was his intention for the children of Israel. So the command to the first generation was to go and possess Flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 1. They're in Exodus. Flip over a couple books. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy chapter 1. The command to the first generation, go and possess. Deuteronomy 1. We don't have time to read all the context here, so jump down to verse number 21. The Bible says, Behold, the Lord God hath set the land before thee. Go up and what? Possess it. As the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee, Fear not. Neither be not discouraged. Jump down to verse number 32. What does the Bible say? Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. Wow, those are some indicting words. God's intention was for them to go in and possess the land. But what happened? What happened just before they they went in to possess the land of Canaan? The elders came together and said, hey, we need to spy out the land. So they sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan. You guys know the children's song? Ten were bad and who were those two? Joshua and Caleb. Man, I'm thankful for some Joshua and Caleb's. You see, what happens in our churches, this is what I'm seeing, is young people are growing up in church And they've watched and observed. And I'm not saying this is everyone. I'm I'm just making some broad strokes here. But they've watched and observed those from the first generation. They've come out of Egypt. 
But all they see is mumbling and grumpy Christians wandering in the wilderness. And they haven't seen a Joshua and a Caleb who would say, let's go and possess it. Let's go. Let's go. They've seen too many times. You saw the percentage there. It's it's pretty low. They've seen too many tens that were bad that say, nah, God can't do that. He can't do it. And God says, you wouldn't believe me. I want to do an incredible work in your life. My intention was not for you to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. Do you realize God's intention? They talk about the timeline would have been about three days for the children of Israel from go to Egypt into Canaan. That, I mean, it was like one sentence. God was like, come out of Egypt. Heard, my, heard your cry. Come out of Egypt. Go in and possess the land. That was the intention. Forty years later. And God had to say, you know what? The first generation is not going to go in. Not even Moses. He says, because you were too busy looking at the temporal things. And you got stuck in the wilderness. You were grumbling, mumbling about what I couldn't do in and through you guys. So the command of the first generation, go and possess. And yet there is a call to the second generation. You see, that first generation, they die off. All except for Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua and Caleb, they also send spies into the land. And they are hidden by Rahab. You remember that story? And they spy out the land and the spies come back and they say, man, the land is given to us. And they come back and they give a good report and and the call to the second generation is go and prosper. Go and prosper. Flip over to the book of Joshua. You're in Deuteronomy there. We're flipping around a little bit here tonight. A little Bible study. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. I know we got tacos next door, and I'm looking forward to that too, so I promise you, we'll get out of here in time. Whatever in time is, I don't even know what that is. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. God had already made this statement to the first generation. Do you see that? God had said, go in and possess. They didn't go and possess. They went and they wandered and they died. And so God says to the second generation, all right, go in, possess. It says, verse number three, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses... From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. I mean, God is so merciful here. He could have given up on them, and he says, I'm with you. Verse number six, be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. This is just a warning for Joshua. Hey, don't get stuck in the wilderness. 
What does he say at the end of verse number 7 there? That thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Many times we fail to go in and prosper what God has given us because we're full of fear. And God is encouraging Joshua, hey, be strong and very courageous. Do you know how fearful it is for me to pack up my little family and go to this, I say, God-forsaken part of the country and all the fears of the unknown? And I, I live with those fears. And yet God continues to come back to me and say, hey, I'm with you. Go and possess. Go and prosper. You see the call to the second generation. Go and prosper. Number three, you see the challenge to the next generation. The command of the first is go and possess the call to the second generation is go and prosper. You see, this should all be building on top of each other, right? I mean, I'm thankful for, for godly heritage. You know what's incredible about a godly heritage? Those of you who can testify to this, if you say, man, my grandpa followed the Lord. But I think Pastor Josh mentioned his grandfather knew the Lord. That's an incredible foundation. That allowed the next generation to take it to the next level. One of the wisest things my dad ever said to me. He said, Aaron... I want you to be a better man than I ever was. You know what my desire for little Judah there is and for Zelda and for little River on the way there is that they go and take our walk with God to the next level. You see, how are we going to reach the next generation? The way that we're going to reach the next generation is it has to be seen in our own lives. We can't expect somebody else to do it. We have to go in and possess our own walk with God. You see, the picture of Canaan is this abundant life in Christ, this abiding life in the Lord Jesus, this dependence on him. And our children need to see us when troubles come, not complain, not murmur, not, not, not pull our hair out, but to fall on our knees before God. And they see, man, when mom and dad were struggling, they went to God. When they were going through hard times, they were on their knees in prayer. You see, there's a command to the first generation, the call to the second generation. Then there's a challenge to the next generation. Look at Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. Look at verse number 1. And it came to pass... When all the people were clean passed over Jordan, this is the second generation, by the way. They've come in, they've crossed over Jordan into Canaan land. Verse number two, or end of verse number one, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe of man, 
And command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. So here's what's happened. The children of Israel, the second generation, has been obedient to God. They followed the leadership of Joshua and Caleb as they go in to possess the land. Caleb even says, I want that mountain. <laughs> he was part of that first generation. He, 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 I mean, he planted a flag where he wanted his spot to be. He says, I want that mountain. He says, God told me to go and possess it, and I want that one right there. And so when it comes to your walk with God, man, go in and possess that walk with God. Because it will highly influence the next generation and the second generation. Follow them, putting their feet into the Jordan, the rushing Jordan River. And God parted the Jordan River and they crossed on dry ground. And they got to the other side and God said, hey, here's what you're going to do now. You're going to take 12 large stones out of the middle of the Jordan River, and you're going to put it up on this side, the side of Canaan. And here's what's going to happen. Look at verse number uh, 5. And Joshua said to them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, and they put those stones there. Here's what I desire for my children is that I can look back at memorial stones in my walk with God. And when my children say, hey, what happened there? What took place there? And I can look back and say, this is what God did right here. And continue on, I say, and this is what God did right here. And this is what God did right here. I was so challenged by this, uh, this passage of Scripture and I preached this back at our home church uh, several months back, that I began to, to open up my phone and put in my notes app, I began to date specific memorial stones for myself. Sometimes we can, get a, we, can, we can get a whole lot more grateful when we look and reflect at what God is doing in our life. Sometimes the miracles happen and we walk right past them and we forget to thank God and set up memorial stones. You know what? September 11th is, it's a memorial stone. You know what our children should see in our life? Memorial stones of God doing a work in our life. Because your children are going to ask. The Bible says it. They're going to ask, what are the stones for? And you're going to be able to communicate them to them. This is when God said, go and possess this is when God said, go and prosper. And we crossed that river, Jordan. And we, he brought us along on dry ground. Look at verse number 21. Jump down to verse 21 of chapter 
4 there, and she said, according unto your word. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong spot. Here we go. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. Look at verse 24. This is so powerful. That all the people of the earth might know. If you got a, got a marker, highlight that, underline that. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. I'm done. Here's the message. You have a command of the first generation. Go in and possess. The call to the second generation, go and prosper. And then the challenge to the next generation is to go and proclaim the goodness of God. You see, what this generation is starving for is to see individuals that truly have an authentic walk with a mighty and powerful God. And it's evident in their lives, and it's evident in their children's lives, and their children can say, look look at those stones. Look what God did there. And then they get to, my prayer is that my children get to grow up, and they will have no strings holding them back, but that they get to go and proclaim the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus to every single person that they are in contact with. What about you? Is God calling you to go in and possess your personal walk with him? He's giving you everything. It's not enough just to come out of Egypt. Second generation, or maybe you've grown up in church and you keep you keep looking at your parents and going, man, they failed in this area and they failed in that area and they've done this and, then done, and they've done that. I understand that. It's okay to recognize maybe the failures and mistakes that your parents have made, but don't let that hinder what God wants to do in your life and don't grow bitter over that. That's something I've had to struggle with. Let God use you to go in prosper so that your children, the next generation, maybe you say, man, I don't, I don't have children. Man, there are a whole bunch of children that are running around here that you get to have an impact on, that you get to have an influence on, and they're watching you. The little kids, they're watching you guys in the youth group. I mean, you're, you're the example. Uh, Paul would tell Timothy that, that the young were an example to everyone. They're an example to the whole church. Man, go in and possess. Don't let anything hold you back. Let bitterness or lust or pride or, or the pursuit of the, 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 the things of the flesh in this world that it has to offer. Don't let that hold you back. Go in and possess, prosper, and proclaim the goodness of God. Let us pray, and I'll hand this over to Pastor Josh. Dear Lord, 
I thank you for your love to us. I thank you for just your kindness and mercy that is shown here in the story of the children of Israel. And Lord, they would continue to to fail miserably. If we were to read on, we would see their failures that take place even in the promised land as they struggle, as their sin found within. And yet there are the great victories as well that are seen when they continue to come back and repent of their sin and seek your face and fall on their knees and say, God, we need you. We need you to go with us. We need you to go for us because we, not, we cannot win these battles without your strength and your ability. And that's our heart, Lord, is, is for Clarksville, Tennessee. I know that's the heart of Gateway Baptist Church is to impact this area for your glory. And Lord, I know that's your prayer for the entire United States, including Camas, Washington. I pray that you would help us to submit ourselves to you and allow you to do an incredible work in our lives. Let us be used of you. We love you, in Jesus' name.